When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, the Ohio State Buckeyes coming off a big win against the Rutgers Scarlet Knights this past weekend. Ohio State obviously has played really well these last couple of games, but with teams in front of them in this national top 10 losing and with Ole Miss even at number 12 losing, how does this past weekend impact Ohio State's national championship hopes? Are they a legitimate contender? Does Oregon's loss help or hurt the Buckeyes? We've got plenty to talk about here this afternoon. Buckeye Breakdown coming up next here Buckeyes Now on Sports Illustrated. We've got the whole crew together as we cover Ohio State with our instant analysis from Ohio State. There's something that doesn't feel right. Unbelievable effort from him today. Is EJ Liddell going to crack the first team all Big Ten? I think he can be the guy. I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy. He seems to have the durability. He certainly has the toughness. This is the question on a lot of people's minds here. Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. What's going on, everybody? I'm Brendan Gulick, along with Brett Hiltbrand. This is Buckeye Breakdown on Monday, as the Buckeyes have just wrapped up a nice win over Rutgers and are preparing for Maryland here this upcoming weekend. Uh, you know, Brett, we've talked ad nauseum off-air about all of the, uh, the the fallout here around college football and certainly with, uh, you know, what Ohio State did this past weekend. But I think it's time to dive into some of that on-air. We have certainly covered the Ohio State-Rutgers game with a fine tooth comb, but it's time to talk a little bit about the national picture and how Ohio State right now is fitting in as we, believe it or not, are about to play the sixth out of 12 games during the regular season. We are almost halfway through the college football season. It's it's kind of crazy to think about. Um, so as we dive into that conversation, what are your general thoughts about right now where Ohio State sits at seventh in the national polls? Yeah, you know, I think uh... – they're in about as good of a position as they could have hoped for following that defeat to Oregon and then the their performance the the next week and and how rocky that looked at times. I think uh, it's probably best case scenario a little bit in that these last two weeks, obviously the competition is a factor, but the last two weeks they've looked you know kind of like the Ohio State we've expected from them. And uh, you couple that with some dominoes falling in their way and some maybe not uh, over the last two weeks as well. And it's, you know, things are looking pretty good. I think um, all things considered, uh, you know, Ohio State's in a, a decent position, uh, you know, especially if, if things kind of, uh, you know, turn out the way we expect them to between now and say that Michigan game. Uh, at the end of November, I think, uh, you know, they're in a position now to be able to, to uh, you know, kind of achieve the goals that they're looking to achieve for sure. I, uh, I think there's been all this talk about playoff expansion, but none of it was going to happen for this season. It's all about looking forward and hopefully in the immediate future. But boy, considering what's gone on in 2021, mm -hmm. uh, I think the, you know, the potential ultimate example of why playoff expansion is needed, and I would argue was needed right from the beginning. I, I've never liked a four-team playoff. Um, I, I think this might just be the year and the scenario. You've got two teams right now in Alabama and Georgia that kind of look like they're playing in their own mini version of the NFL this year, just throttling teams. I mean, I, I realized one of the games was Vanderbilt, okay? Vanderbilt's not a great football program. But what Georgia just did to Arkansas this past weekend is really eye-opening. I realize Georgia's offense isn't riveting right now. I know Stetson Bennett played quarterback instead of JT Daniels this past weekend. Arkansas's defense is very, very good, and Georgia eviscerated them. Um, Alabama has done that to every opponent they've played so far, including a couple of Power 5 programs, and everybody likes to you know rag on them for playing some early season cupcake games too, but um, I mean, they did it right away against Miami. So, Alabama and Georgia right now, to me, and I think to a lot of national folks, look like clear-cut teams that belong in the playoff and, and should take care of business the rest of the way. But after that, 
Cincinnati, I, I realize Indiana isn't right now what they've been in years, you know, in, in, in this past year, but look at who look at who the Indiana's lost to. Lost to Iowa, they've lost to Cincinnati, and they've lost to Iowa State, who are all very good teams. And they play Penn State this weekend. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Iowa plays uh, Penn State this weekend. Uh, Indiana still has to play Penn State. So I, I and I got to play the Buckeyes. I mean, I, I think Indiana's a, a decent team, despite the fact they haven't been what they were last year. And, and Cincinnati goes to Bloomington and beats them. And then the Bearcats, frankly, kind of pounded Notre Dame this weekend. I realize the scoreboard wasn't a whopping margin. If you watch that game, it wasn't close. It was all mm-hmm. Cincinnati. So Notre Dame loses. Arkansas gets blown out. Ole Miss is reasonably competitive in the end of the game, but they got smoked. And Oregon loses to Stanford, who's been the hardest team in America to figure out this year because they've got a couple good wins and a couple of horrendous losses. Um, so now you all of a sudden you look at it from an Ohio State perspective and think, gee, that that loss to Oregon, which was only a seven-point loss with a really young team, I mean, I, I, I think the Buckeyes legitimately could be a college football playoff contender. I've said all along it's an uphill climb, but now we're looking at a situation where they've got a realistic chance, and yet if there were six or eight teams that make the playoffs, you could probably punch your ticket now. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you're absolutely right. I think in general it does look like Georgia, Alabama, and everyone else, right? And I think in, in, you know, the idea of like an expanded – college football playoff situation like those are the two teams that get buys in that first round right and so they you, you know and so i i like i i i i'm always like open to that conversation because in my mind the, the you know the the college football playoff really um you know i think everybody you know it's like it's a good example of like you know grass being, you know, is not always greener, right? You know, I think everyone kind of lamented the BCS and and the computers and all of that and, uh, you know, the algorithms and, and and how all that sometimes could churn out. And then and then the college football playoff happens and then we get a couple scenarios where it's like, well, this doesn't work either, right? And so, um, you know, I'm always open a, a little bit to the conversation, but I, I, as far as expanding it, but I've also seen in my mind, you know, it's like, do we really need to see, uh, you know, like UCF jump in and get destroyed by Alabama in the first round of a college football, expanded college football playoff? Now, that's that, like I would argue maybe not. You know, obviously, I, you still have to play the game. Right. But like I, 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 I think there's I think there's room to grow. I think there's, uh, uh, you know, room for nuance a little bit. And I think I think if you expand it to multiple teams you give you then I'll have to kind of extend a little bit of of leeway of leash right of, of trying to feel out what works and what doesn't and, and I, you know, I see like a, a lot of the comments here Wisconsin is bad someone said Arkansas isn't that good that's um, false Arkansas is a very good football team yeah Arkansas I don't know that Arkansas is pretty darn good um but I, I, I think in general right now, th- if you're looking at this from the from, you know, the kind of the side of Ohio State, the, uh, you know, essentially to be I, 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 the AP top 25, I want to say they're seventh. So, yeah, seventh in AP and in front of them in between, say, one, two, that's Bama, Georgia. So you have Iowa three, Penn State four, Cincy five, Oklahoma six. Ohio State's better than all of those teams with the exception maybe of Oklahoma. And I, I think Oklahoma's really vulnerable this year. I know they haven't I, lost, but like they they look like they're about to lose almost every game they play. I still think I think but I think that actually kind of helps them in the long run too that knowing that they essentially don't have the same firepower to blow everyone out, but I think their floor is a lot higher than those those other teams. Um and then uh, you're talking about like the coaches of those respective teams. The only one I like more then Lincoln Riley is is Luke Fickle, and so, um, but I I love I I the the it's like the chaos Elmo gif right like I I love the the situation that we're in right now, and and how it's all kind of shaking out because it's very very obvious this year 
that there are like there's like a handful of programs that are raising their level and then there's a big gap and then there's a then there's another tier and we're talking about Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, those four. And Clemson I think and Clemson is like kind of on the edge right now cuz you're seeing what they look like when they don't have a uh, you know Trevor Lawrence a quarterback. I mean, they should have lost to Boston College. 100%. Boston College so, had them by the throat and and just couldn't finish a game. Yeah, so I I I really think, you know, if it, you know, if you're making the case for expanding the playoff, in a lot of ways you're doing that to protect that top tier those top tier teams in order to get say the best national championship. You know, this season's really proving to to be a, a really great example of of why that's maybe needed. All right, let's let's address this just head on. Is Ohio State a legitimate national championship contender? I think it's a good question to ask because we've got enough of a sample size now with this team. If if you have followed Ohio State with any sliver of attention throughout the course of the year, you are obviously well aware of how young this team is and how often that's been said. But by 5 weeks in, a lot of those young guys or perhaps the better way to say it the inexperienced players um, those guys have a bunch of reps now and you can see progression from where Ohio state was against Minnesota and Oregon to where they were these last two weeks. I am absolutely willing to acknowledge the talent gap between Ohio state and Akron. You saw that at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball all game long, especially on defense where Ohio state had nine sacks and 12 tackles for loss. It might not show up statistically at the line of scrimmage against Rutgers, because Noah Vedral did a good job of getting the ball out, but he was constantly under duress. The Buckeyes picked him off three times after he hadn't thrown an interception in four games, uh, obviously returned one for a touchdown. And the offense, when the first team group was out there, seven possessions, they scored seven times, including a, a, an early field goal. Um, th- you know, th- this, this team clearly is taking good strides forward without a sliver of a doubt C.J. Stroud had his best game as a Buckeye this past week. We'd seen little glimpses of what he could be in the first four games. I guess really for him it was the first three games. Mm -hmm. But finally he put it all together this past week with his shoulder, you know, supposedly not bothering him anymore. There's reason to see some of this momentum despite the fact that the competition wasn't quite what you are, are hoping for these last two weeks. That said, I do think I still stand by this. Rutgers is a better team than they've been in years past. I think Ohio state just played that well this weekend. You're going to play a Maryland team that is uh, top 25 in the country in total offense. I know they're coming off of a miserable game, but the Buckeyes should win. You would think fairly handily against Maryland and go into the bye, And, and then you're looking at a first half of the season where you could be five and one feeling really good and you've got teams in front of you that you would have to necessarily knock off to get into the playoff. So are the Buckeyes on Alabama and Georgia's level? I don't think that's fair yet. But are the Buckeyes a legitimate national championship contender? Can they get to the college football playoff and make a run? I say yes. I think it's getting to that point where they can do it. Um, After two weeks, I'm not sure I believe that. But after after five games and and seeing the improvement on this team, yeah, I think it is very possible. Right, and you have to also kind of uh, you know apply this the the scenario right of of how essentially Ohio State would have to win a national championship, what they would have to do. So we're talking about you have to beat either Georgia or Alabama in the in the title game, but you don't have to beat both, right? Because those those two teams are probably you know playing each other. So. Um, I think I think there's there's a scenario there where, um, you know, if you're saying like if Ohio State has to run through Georgia and Bama to win a title, the answer is no. The answer is unequivocally no. Um, but to have to beat one of those teams, yeah, absolutely. And I think offensively, they certainly have the firepower to be able to do that. I think there's still some questions on defense uh, that I, I think I I would like to see at the very least partially answered before we even get to that, you know, time of the year. Um, but I, I, I do think the uh, they're poised in a lot of ways to, to show the rest of the, 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 the college football landscape essentially that 
you know, the mistakes that were made in both the defeat to Oregon and then, you know, the rough game against Tulsa, that they're rectifying those. And then they beat everyone that they have to beat. And so I think, um, you know, you have to you have to play well, obviously, the rest of the way. You have to smash the teams that you're supposed to smash. Uh, but it's, you know, are they poised to be able to, you know, kind of enter that conversation? Absolutely. In a lot of ways, I think they're in a better position than than some of the unbeaten teams that are that sit in between them and Georgia Bama. Part of this transitions to our our topic around the Big Ten here of you know Iowa, Penn State, and Michigan are are they for real? The good news for the Buckeyes is that you know they've got Penn State on their schedule in a few weeks. If things continue the way that Ohio State expects and the way the Big Ten is shaping up, you could very realistically see a Ohio State Iowa game for the Big Ten championship. So, you know, those two games could be de facto playoff elimination right. games. Exactly. Um, and and the same could be said for, you know, a potential matchup with Michigan. Um, so before we get more into the Big Ten side of things, I'll just keep this on Ohio State for a second. I I think some of the changes that obviously needed to be made after the Oregon loss were, you know, more on the on the scheme and the coaching side of things. And we've seen a guy like Ronnie Hickman, who has been a complete monster defensively. Mm -hmm. He's emerged as a great player. Look at Denzel Burke right now. I mean, if this kid isn't the best freshman cornerback in the country, I don't know who is. He's unbelievable. And I would be stunned at this point if he's not a freshman All-American. Um, Bryson Shaw was pretty bad through the first two games. He's taken some really, really good steps forward these last three games now. Tommy Eichenberg got a ton of flack through the first three weeks. I thought Tommy Eichenberg has played better. You know, hopefully the the injury to Cody Simon, whatever that injury is, they the Buckeyes don't talk about those things. Hopefully it's not a serious injury. He's had to leave the last two games now. Um, Cody Simon's obviously emerging as, as a good linebacker. You know, what we've seen now from some of these interior defensive linemen is what you need to see if you're going to make a deep run. Haskell Garrett and Tyleek Williams in particular. Teron Vincent's playing a little bit better. Um, you've obviously got good play so far from JTT and from Jack Sawyer on the edge. But Zach Harrison had a nice game. Javante Jean-Baptiste had a nice game. So I, I do think we're seeing some, some noticeable improvements on the defensive side that are not just because of who you're playing. If you always judge yourself based on the level of competition, it's hard to get a real read on exactly where you're making progress and where you're not. But I, I do think the Buckeyes as a whole defensively are starting to play well enough that they can win the Big Ten. And if they win the Big Ten, they've got a really good chance to make the college football playoff even with one loss. For sure. And I also think, too, like what, what what essentially what we're talking about on the de defensive side of the ball is like, what does getting better look like when you roll out of bed and you're already better than the team that you're playing? You know, and so for me, it's more of like an intangible thing. What is the what's the intensity level? Are you maintaining that even though you're absolutely smashing a team? Are you are you taking opportunities to keep the pedal down or is your energy level? Uh, you know, sustained at an extremely high level. Um, are you not making, uh, you know, are you not giving up, you know, are you preventing chunk plays? Are you, uh, you know, forcing turnovers in, in scenarios that are probably like 50-50 kind of 50-50 uh, plays, right? And I think Ohio State's been done that now a lot over the last two weeks. And I think that's, uh, that shows me two things. One, I think it's rectified some of the problems that we saw schematically in Oregon. And I think it, as a byproduct of that, you're seeing guys with a lot more confidence. Um, and I think Bryson Shaw is by far the best example of that. The other, the other part too is, you know, so you fixed, you essentially fixed the scheme and now guys are flying around and playing a lot more natural. Right. And, and, and what does that defense look like? Uh, you know, when guys are both confident and free. The other thing, too, is that now you're starting to see the, the the next step beyond what happens with confidence. And that is the belief that you can always kind of find an extra gear. And that extra gear is a lot of times we're talking about like maybe five or 10 percent more effort, five or 10 percent, a little more intensity. 
that gap is like the gap between say like Bama, Georgia and everyone else. Right. So if you're, if you don't have 11 five-star guys out on the field, that's fine. If you're able to maintain that five or 10% more of, of an intensity level, you're maybe able to rise above say your potential or, or like what would be like your floor. Right. So, um, that's huge. I think it, and I think we've seen that. I think, uh, you know, it's, it would be unfair to say that like, okay, now we've, we've checked that box, you know, let's, let's, you know, now Ohio State's is good and, you know, winning a title is, is definitely a possibility. I think that's probably disingenuous, but uh, you know, so there's obviously a lot more that you want to see, but what they've, what they've done and which is not an easy thing to do, by the way, what they've been able to do these last two weeks by changing a lot of different things is schematically has really shown up on the field. And I think you're seeing from a body language standpoint, the players are really eating that up and feeling exceptionally confident. And that's only a good thing for Ohio state. Monitoring the comments as best we can here along the way. And certainly if you have questions, please ask, uh, we'll do our best to, to address those along the way, but I uh, want to bring this up here. Uh, Arcad, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, you know, it's it's something I try to take a lot of pride in. I I never like to take pot shots at coaches or players. It's not my style. Um, I would much rather ask an open-ended question when we're in a press conference. Uh, I, I think coaches are much more likely to give you good answers if you ask good questions. And um, there are certainly some you know good questions asked during the course of uh, of lengthy press conferences. But um, I appreciate you saying that. That's that's something I take a lot of pride in. Uh, and I've also seen a couple of things on here about confidence and yeah, confidence is, is a big deal. Um, here we go. This one's from, uh, from Ed Rogers. I totally agree, man. I mean, if these guys are playing with confidence, knowing, you know, look, it's, it's not just about understanding the scheme and thinking, okay, I know what I'm supposed to do on this play, but having the mental wherewithal of saying, I've already done this. And, and in a game where literally the objective is to physically and mentally impose your will on your opponent if if you have any hesitation, it's really hard to do that, especially in a conference where you've got a lot of physically good, talented players. So, yeah, confidence is huge. And, you know, the further we get away from Minnesota and Oregon, probably the better. But also the further we get away from it, the more I, I reflect back and think, gee, I don't know if I love opening Ohio State's football schedule with you know, uh, first of all, conference game and then playing a, a team like Oregon without having played a Tulsa or an Akron or whatever early on. That's that makes it really tough. You can only play who's on your schedule. But, um, you know, what what has happened to Ohio State, you know, in weeks three and four has made a huge difference in the way that they seem like they're growing going forward. So I, yeah. I confidence is everything. And confidence is not just an individual thing, right? Like it's not, not just like, oh, I'm confident in my own abilities. I think in a lot of ways, being confident in the other guy next to you is going to do his job at, with the same intensity and, and competency that, that you approach it is actually more important. And I think we've seen that in the past with guys maybe overcompensating because they don't necessarily trust some of their other, some of the other guys out there. And I think that is maybe the biggest difference that I've seen with the defense now compared to say earlier in the season, that there's a lot more trust from, you know, from each position group going back, uh, you know, from, you know, obviously from the D line all the way back into the secondary, there's a lot more trust among those guys now than there was at the start of the season. And I think you're seeing the results of that. Okay, let's shift to you know Michigan and and Iowa and Penn State. Obviously, they've all gotten off to good starts. They've all looked a little bit different in the way they've gone about their uh, their solid starts to the season. Of those three, I think Iowa is the most for real. Uh, I don't think they're unbeatable by any stretch, but I've been really impressed with them, especially the way they cause turnovers. There, there's some weird stat out there. Like if you look back since 2017, Iowa's defense has caused more turnovers than any other power five team in that stretch. And it's, it's actually not that close. Um, and then obviously what they just did to Maryland this past weekend further punctuates that I'm not an X's and O's guy. That's why I try to bring other guys on that, you know, that, that know that stuff like the back of their hand, but I know an aggressive defense when I see it, and I, I like what I see from Iowa this year. 
Penn State, I think, is a good team that had a crappy year last year, and I expected them to rebound. Um, are they are they a legit college football playoff contending team? I mean, I guess by the record and who they've beaten so far, you have to say yes. They beat Auburn at home, so that's got to count for something. You know, they they just whooped Indiana, so that's got to count for something. But um, I'm not ready to to crown you know Penn State by any stretch. And and this is not a hate on Michigan fest, okay? That's not my style. But I don't believe in the Wolverines yet. I think they have a much better defense. That their defense is absolutely taking a step forward this year. I just I can't get behind them yet offensively. They beat the crap out of Western Michigan and Northern Illinois. I don't care. They smoked Washington, who lost the week before to Montana, who's an FCS program. That win doesn't matter much to me. Um, they they snuck past Wisconsin. Like I I I think I, I know what the score said. I think Michigan was gifted two touchdowns against a a Wisconsin offense that is atrocious. Wisconsin's defense is pretty good. Wisconsin's offense is horrendous. Um, Michigan is a better football team than they were last year. They are a competent football team that has decent quarterback play that can run the ball effectively. I am not that worried about them yet as a Buckeye fan. I'm just not. Yeah, I think I think I agree on on all counts with Michigan. Um, I I think Penn State's probably the most dangerous because of Sean Clifford um, and and his his passing ability. Um, and I really like their defense. I think their defensive line is underrated. Um, and you wonder a little bit about Penn State's ability to maybe grind out close games. Uh, you know, their running game is not super great. Um, you know, I, I think if you look at like that trio of coaches, Kirk Ferentz, James Franklin, Jim Harbaugh, um, you know, I think I, I don't love any of them, if I'm being honest, but I think probably James Franklin is maybe the guy I would trust the most out of that group, which is maybe saying something. Um, <laughs> I, I know you have a uh, a James Franklin love affair, too. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, 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 you know, I think I think, you know, if, if he was sitting right here with us, I think we, you know, we we could talk about that. And, I, you know, I covered Penn State for two years and I, you know, I, if, if you watched us before, like you've heard you know, some of my opinions on, on that athletic department and how some of that is run. But like, I mean, the guy can still recruit his face off um, and, you know, say what you will about some of the in-game stuff and, and how dependent they are, you know, essentially how, how dependent they are success wise on the competency of their coordinators. Um, but like their OC is pretty darn good. And, and, you know, and it's a guy that we've seen come through Columbus and do some nice things. So uh, I, I think they're probably the most dangerous. I will never trust Iowa until proven otherwise. Um, and I'm and I'm we're, we're working on about 15 years of experience there. Um, you know, I, I you know, I, I've referenced it before, but I, I still will always refer to Kirk Ferentz as D.B. Cooper. And if you know who D.B. Cooper is, that's funny. Um and I don't trust them for a single second, not one bit. And I, I, uh, you know, I, I, I've said in the past, you know, if you've read our game predictions that Notre Dame are the biggest posers in college football, they're the biggest imposters in college football. The, the, you know, if you're making like an NCAA tournament style, like seeding of big college football imposters, Notre Dame's the number one overall seed. You know who else is in the other four or the other three? Iowa. Is it is an absolute lock for a one seed as imposter in college football? They've done nothing, absolutely nothing, and when it actually mattered. Um, but that being said, if they if they maintain what they're doing, make the Big Ten championship game, and then beat whoever they're playing, which is probably going to be Ohio State, they deserve to go to the college football playoff. Sure. That won't happen, but like that that's you know that that's real. Uh, but I definitely think Penn State's dangerous. I think if this was an even year uh, where Ohio State had to go to Beaver Stadium and play in a whiteout, you'd be really looking at that game going like, oh, man, 
um, you know, if you're an Ohio State fan. But, the, you know, the fact that that game will be at the shoe, I think, is a, is a massive uh, win for Ohio State as far as kind of shifting, uh, you know, the balance before the ball even gets kicked. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't trust Michigan. I'll never trust Iowa, and and I think Penn State's dangerous. So, yeah, that's probably where I stand uh, among those two teams. The other one, and I think, I think we have to talk about them because the turnaround that they've made is such an unbelievable 180 that I don't think he's getting enough credit, and that's Sparty. Yep. And and the physicality that they're playing with under Mel Tucker feels different and some of the way some of the way they've been some of the ways they've been able to win talking different different games winning different ways uh is is good and that's and that is only good for the big 10 going forward that's a massive game for ohio state because that will probably be a top 10 game uh coming up here a little bit later i'm going to say maybe like a month uh or a little bit under a month uh so yeah i mean there, there's, there's some big uh, opponents and situations uh, sitting between, you know, sitting in front of Ohio State that I think is is huge opportunities, are huge opportunities, uh, you know, for them to really showcase kind of some of the development and growth and changes that they've made. Uh, I'm glad you brought up Michigan State because there's a whole bunch of comments on on Sparty too. Um, they are clearly a better running football team than they were last year. Uh, and you saw that right from week one when they rampaged Northwestern, yeah. um, which, by the way, I mean, Northwestern, for as good as they were last year, they, you know, absolute value of good last year might be great or bad this year. Like, they're tough to watch, man, yeah. um, which I hate seeing because I, I think Pat Fitzgerald's a man. I love – I absolutely love when they're good. Um, Michigan State defensively. You know, they're still averaging uh, 427.8 yards allowed per game. That's not going to get it done. Uh, let's see, yards per play. Michigan State is 48th in the country. They're allowing 5.11 yards per play. You know, that that number's that metric's too high. They've got to figure out a way to bring that down. But I agree with you. They are certainly playing better football. Um, but if they're going to stop an Ohio State offense, that is – literally on pace and if you if you didn't see this i wrote about this last night on buckeyesnow.com the ohio state offense right now sans justin fields is on pace to break the all-time big 10 record for most yards per game offensively in a season and on top of leading you know the the conference in that stat they lead the country in that stat with over 535 yards per game uh and they lead the country in yards per play. The Buckeyes are averaging eight and a half yards per play. That's ridiculous. Last weekend, C.J. Stroud broke the Big Ten all-time record for freshman quarterbacks with 19.4 yards per completion. I mean, he just shredded the defense. Um, I Somebody defensively is going to have to figure out a way to make Ohio State's offense frustrated. And with the way they've grown these last couple weeks, again, I recognize the level of competition. The Buckeyes are going to start seeing some better defenses after the bye. But we've talked about confidence quite a bit here. You've got a redshirt freshman quarterback. You've got a running back who is a slam dunk first-team All-American already. And, and frankly, if Travion was carrying it 25 times a game, he might be in New York for a Heisman ceremony. Um you know, the, the wide receiving crew might have six first round draft picks in it. Um, we've talked about the offensive line and and how underappreciated Jeremy Ruckert is right now as a tight end. This unit is stupid good. And if somebody's going to beat the Buckeyes down the stretch and knock them out, they've got to play wicked good defense. I'm just not sold on Michigan State yet being able to do that. No, and I think I I think in general – you know, it, it's a little bit like like rating rating defenses on, on a macro level, I think, is a challenge. It's like, what do you look at? Do you look at total defense? Do you look at scoring defense? You know, do you look at turnover ratio? All of those things, um, you know, and I think you can you could probably skew a little bit the, the stats your your way to, you know, kind of to support your argument. Right. And I think I think I test wise, certainly the you know, Sparty has not maybe met that on defense, but I think 
the the in a lot of ways they maybe don't have to because of the, their ability to run the football and to be able to control games with time of possession and 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 really kind of dominate the clock. So uh and to me I think the the what they've done you know as far as like buy-in is concerned with Mel Tucker and what they did last year and how different it looks this year and how quickly those those that turnaround happened because that usually doesn't happen it's, you know that a lot of times with massive regime change you have it, it takes two or three years because essentially you have to have the former coaches guys move on and he's gotten guys who aren't necessarily his to buy in and i think that's a pretty impressive thing um but I mean, defensively, they're just not on par with Ohio State um, as far as like stopping Ohio State's offense. But guess what? There are only maybe two other teams in the country that probably are. Yeah, and, um, and give them credit. You're right. I mean, they yeah. have, they have it's, it's grading on a scale, right? But um, but in general, if you turn over Ohio State two three times in a game, you probably could you could beat them. Like it, it, you know, what I'm saying so. Like it's 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 more of it's more of you know it's a lot closer of a matchup than I think we ever would have imagined you know, when we were looking at the schedule in August. Well, I mean, look at what Oregon did, right? Oregon didn't necessarily turn the Buckeyes over a bunch. They just stuffed Ohio State on fourth downs. Yeah. Ohio State's offense in that game was not the problem, even if C.J. Stroud was playing hurt. Um, the offense kind of stopped themselves, and and the defense was, was the real challenge in that game. Mm -hmm. um, hey, I want to get to this. I, I really appreciate the super chat here. Thank you very much, Treasure the Torah. I want to say I like your philosophy and your honesty in today's time. That's rare. Peace and respect, my brother. Thank you. Really appreciate that. And uh, thanks for your support. We certainly love uh, love covering the Buckeyes as thoroughly as we can. And and uh, means a lot that you guys are all uh, in, involved in these chats. Um, Keaton coming. We like, yeah. we love that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think, yeah. I think I, we all, it's like, we love talking to each other and we do it all the time, but I think in, it's also nice to have a, we are firmly kind of ensconced in this college football bubble. And that's just kind of the nature of how we do this. Right. And, and, and but it's also really important to always have perspective from outside of that. And I think that that's where the comments really are massive. Uh, because it it gives us in a lot of ways a fuller picture of not just what Ohio State's doing on the field and what the coaches and players are saying, but also how fans are looking at that. And I don't think you have you're unable to get a clear picture of everything that's going on without that perspective. And, and I just want to point this out. It's a natural spot to do this here. You know, we post all of our podcasts after the fact. So if you miss these live, obviously you can watch them on our YouTube channel. We certainly appreciate that there. But, you know, if you're driving or you're on a run or you're walking the dog or whatever and you don't want to watch the video component, um, you know, we post our podcast on, on lots of different audio platforms as well. Um, so know that if you are listening for the first time on that spot, you can interact with us. And we do want your comments uh, and your thoughts because that's what makes these shows really fun. You know, it, we're, we're not we don't approach this from a talking heads perspective. We like, you know, understanding and thinking and feeling what you think and feel and and want to try to address the things that excite you or frustrate you because we feel a lot of that stuff too and that's really important to us um all right let's let's talk here about oregon there's a part of me that felt going into this past week brett that the buckeyes needed oregon to win out there's a part of me that felt like if you're the buckeyes and you're trying to make the playoff, you need to have a loss that looks as good as it can. It's early in the season when your team is really young and you happen to lose to a team that, you know, if they went out and they make the playoff, that's as good as it can get, right? You know, if you're Georgia or Alabama, and let's try to project this forward, obviously, you know, nothing's guaranteed. But, man, if Alabama doesn't play Georgia in the SEC title game, something wild happens. Right. And I don't care who loses that game, as long as it's a reasonably competitive game, they both belong in the college football playoff. The quality of your loss should matter. However, winning and, and only knowing that you can beat the teams that are actually on your schedule, because that's all you can control, that has to matter first and foremost. And 
if there's any sliver of a doubt between Oregon and Ohio State and the resumes are similar, Oregon's going to get in. They beat the Buckeyes. That's it. I mean, you want – the whole point is to have head-to-head matchups. You want to earn your way into the playoff. So if it's close and there's one spot, the Buckeyes are out of luck. But if Oregon would have won out and I'm hanging on to the hope that you know Oklahoma looks vulnerable – I think the Buckeyes would get in the playoff ahead of an unbeaten Cincinnati team if Ohio State at the end of the year can beat Penn State and Michigan and potentially Iowa. I think that would be enough to get the Buckeyes in. But now that Oregon has lost, what do you think? Does that help or hurt Ohio State's playoff chances? I think I think it I think it hurts. Um, you know, and we've talked about this in the past that like if head-to-head matchups don't carry massive overwhelming weight in some ways, what are we even doing here? Sure. Um, you know, and I think, I think, you know, w- w- we can talk a little bit about, you know, essentially what was like an extremely confusing performance from them um, in that Stanford game. And like, not only did, not only were they beaten by, in my mind, like not a very good team, but they actually looked like that at times uh, in that game. Uh, it was very weird, but I think in the turn, in terms of, you know, the, how it, it affects essentially Ohio state. Like I think the rule of thumb is never be ranked above a team you lost to. Right. And Ohio state is right now. They're seven Oregon's eight. And so, um, yeah, that's not, that's not good. Like the flat out, that's just not good. I think if you're looking at Oregon's schedule the rest of the way out, you're looking a little bit at that at that trip to UCLA and wondering if Chip Kelly can put it together there. But it, it, essentially, if you're an Ohio State fan, you're absolutely rooting rooting for Oregon to lose another game. And at this point, yeah, you have to it, because, like, you know, if it's like you want the loss to look as good as you possibly can. Well, not anymore. Now you want Oregon to look bad and, and lose another game at least. Um, because you have to essentially take that tiebreaker, if you will, off the board. Um, and, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of the nature of the beast a little bit with, uh, you know, the idea of, you know, because, because of the 14 playoff, you're, you're, you're essentially operating without a safety net and, um, you know, and you, you have to pretty much run the table to to remove any doubt um and so you know i I think you know if ohio state beats everyone they're supposed to be they go to the big 10 title game and beat whoever that might be probably getting in um you know and i think that's you know that's like the the virginia tech rule right from from whenever whenever they lost to to the Hokies at home and uh well boom there's a comment right there and and, Um, and so this comment i think is interesting because i don't I don't know if I quite see it that way about Virginia Tech's record. For me, the reason why Ohio State got in to the college football playoff in, in the you know end of the 2014 season was because they, they got clearly better as the season went along. And in the biggest game against a very good Wisconsin team, they absolutely pounded Wisconsin. I mean, they, they looked like they played a different sport than Wisconsin played when they shut them out. They, they essentially took you know, took the decision out of the committee's hands and basically said, we can't afford to not put a team in that just shut out a a legitimately good nationally ranked opponent in their conference championship game when they've clearly been uh, been getting better all season long. I don't think it was necessarily because of Virginia Tech's record being bad. It was because Ohio State got that good as the year went along. For sure. And I think, you know, at the time that OSU Wisconsin game, I think was the highest rated TV ratings wise game in OSU history outside of, uh, you know, national championship games. Um, but, I, you know, and, I, you know, and obviously I think it came on the heels of smashing Michigan, you know, the week before. Um, so it was two high profile, tons of eyeballs games where Ohio state just stomped on a, a team that everybody was kind of thinking had the, had an opportunity or a chance to win. And Ohio state showed that they had absolutely zero. Um, and so I think, you know, I think 
we look at that as kind of like essentially the blueprint. And I think everyone in college football does this. They look at that Ohio State team as the blueprint for getting in after losing earlier, early in the season in that you, you progress, you get better. And then when the games towards the end of the season that everybody's watching, you blow people out. And because of, you know, like it or not, recency bias plays a massive factor in, you know, both the rankings, the, the playoff rankings, and then absolutely the selection. Um, and so, you know, I, I, that's, that's a, a huge factor. And, and, and I think it's important. Um, but I, I think if, you know, if we're kind of circling all of this back to Oregon, um, you know, that the, the, the loss to Stanford is not good, but in many ways, none of that matters. The loss doesn't, whatever Oregon does the rest of the year does not matter if Ohio state does not continue to play well and get better. And I think that's, that's, that's absolutely, you know, absolutely huge for Ohio state. And that I think is all they can really consider. Ed says that Michigan game was close. Wasn't it? It was uh 42, 28 that year. Uh, Competitive, certainly not what it was the last two years, um, but still uh, it was a decisive Ohio State win. Um, you know, some interesting talk here about playoff expansion, you know, lots of stuff here within the chat. And and I don't know if I'm on board with a 12 to 16 team playoff. I think that might be too many. Um, It'll never happen either because you would have to eliminate a lot of the bowls and to be able to. Yeah, and, and at that level, you'd probably start eliminating regular season games because. Yeah. Teams, you know, it, if you need to win four playoff games to win the national title, you know, that's that's going to start adding way too many games on the schedule. Um, I've always been a proponent of this. I'm, I'm willing to listen to other, you know, uh, other points of view. Um, you got five power five leagues in every other sport at every other level of college athletics. If you win your conference championship, you get an automatic bid to play in the national tournament. Why that doesn't exist in college football doesn't make sense to me. I've listened to arguments. I've heard people say that, you know, do the fifth and sixth best teams or seventh and eighth best teams in the country really have a chance to win the national championship? I don't care. The whole point is they get a chance to play for it. It's what we love about college sports. It's literally what we love about March Madness. This is an Ohio State channel. It's what... College basketball fans love about Oral Roberts beating the Buckeyes and why it sucked as an Ohio State fan to lose to Oral Roberts. How many people have never heard of Oral Roberts University before that, you know, before that tournament started? It was it was an incredible moment, right? If you're Cincinnati and you run the table, I think you deserve a chance to get in. I don't think they're going to get in unless all hell breaks first, breaks loose in front of them. But I think if you win one of the power five leagues, you should get an automatic berth. If you are the best group of five team in the country, go play Alabama, go play the number one team in the country, line up and you might get whacked, but you might not. Right. I mean, Cincinnati should have beaten Georgia last year. I realize it's not the exact same Georgia team, but they should have beaten Georgia last year. They totally just, you know, blew that game at the end. Um, I am of the opinion that it should be an 18 playoff where your five power five conference champions get in your best group of five team in the country gets in. And then you have basically two at large spots because it's so hard to win your conference. And if you don't win, I don't think that should necessarily exclude you from the conversation. I think it would be so much more fun. You're only adding for, for the two teams that win the national championship game. You're only adding, or I should say that get to the national championship game. You're only adding one game to the calendar for two teams, right? It's not like you're adding a whole bunch of games for a whole bunch of schools. So I am, I have been fully on board with an 18 playoff for a long time. I, I, I just want to get away from four, six would be fine. Eight would be terrific. I think beyond that, it gets watered down a little bit and it's unnecessary, but we need playoff expansion. We've needed it for seven years. Yeah, I you know I think I think the, I, the the concept of like correlation not equaling causation is is a is uh, uh, important to remember that like if if Cincinnati gets in, That's right? 
<laughs> Thank you, Max Asmus, for doing that again. Yeah, yeah. Shout out, shout out, Max. Uh, uh, the yeah, it, you know, the idea that like if if just be, if Cincinnati gets in and they gets pounded by Alabama, that doesn't mean they didn't deserve to get in, right? And and I think we've we've seen that multiple times. That 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 is not necessarily confirmation that the playoff does it the right way or whatever. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think I've, I've loved the idea of five autos and five automatic births. And then, and then the sixth being an, like a non-power five team, or if that, if that team doesn't necessarily exist, another power five team that maybe loses a conference championship. Um, and, and essentially there being a ranking and selection for that final spot. I think that's fine. Um, I also like it because it, I think it gives you the top two. It gives essentially teams, um, you know, incentive to be in those top two spots because then, then you give those teams buys in the in the first first round of the tournament, um, and so that they're not necessarily playing an extra game. But um, the I, I think in in general, it's it's essentially I think at at the core of the conversation and debate nothing changes with however many teams are getting in. Essentially what we're talking about are like, who's going to be that third to fourth team? Well, if we add, you know, two more teams to that equation, now we're talking about who are the fifth and sixth teams that are getting in. If you add eight, it's who's going to be seven, eight. Like the, the debate and conversation doesn't necessarily change. Yeah, and I don't, think, I don't think it waters down the product either. I agree. Right. It just changes about who's the last team that's going to get in. But there's going to be some really, really good quality teams that should have a chance to play for the national title that mm -hmm. aren't going to get a chance. And I think, I think that we're also talking about a little bit, the difference between football and basketball, right? That like, sure. you know, I think when you get beyond eight teams, you know, it, 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 an eighth, for example, like an eight seated, whatever team might be like, let's say it's eight seated, like UCF. And I, I, we're, you know, there, there may be a good example. That team is never running the gauntlet if you will, winning three games to win a national championship. That's just never going to happen. Um, and so the idea of like that maybe diluting the product, I think I'd be willing to listen to. But would you say it's not fun to be able to, to have that opportunity? Of course. Absolutely. Right. And I think it, at its core, what we're what we're talking about is essentially the idea of are we protecting if you will, protecting. And I think that's that's the operative word here. Yeah. Are we protecting these teams, these blue bloods, if you will, for consistently winning national championships? Because essentially we are not asking them to play enough games to be able to do it. And I think that actually is an important kind of part of the conversation. So 100% it needs to be bigger in my mind, um, you know, as far as the, the expansion is concerned. Uh, but once you get beyond, say, like six to eight teams, I think then it gets a, it's unnecessarily complicated. Yeah, no, that's that's uh, that's definitely fair. Beyond eight, again, I would listen to six. I'd probably be okay with six, um, but I, I think the idea of earning an at-large bid would be a lot of fun, uh, mm -hmm. and I'll, I'll be curious to see how they address that moving forward. Um, I want to address something that Ohio State fans yesterday just torched uh rj young who's a, a fox sports college football guy um i haven't met him i don't know much about him i've certainly seen some of the stuff that he's done uh on you know on fox's platform one thing um, we know about rj homeboy has the password to the fox sports uh twitter handle <laughs> nobody nobody retweeting himself more Ooh, than that guy. he um i appreciate bold right i don't like highly fabricated flowery BS, right? If you're going to have an opinion, have an opinion. That's fine. Um, back it up with fact and, and, you know, explain why you feel a certain way. So I'm good with him doing his own thing and putting his own poll out there and saying, Hey, this is, this is what I think. Um, did you see his poll before I go down this, this road here? I, oh, I'm actually, so I'm, I've, I'm pulling it up. I'm trying to figure the, out. put the Buckeyes that... 17th in the country and the fifth ranked team was BYU. Coastal mm -hmm. Carolina was ahead of Ohio state. He, he basically did it off of raw winning percentage and essentially oh, okay. said, you know, Hey, look, winning matters. And, and, and then who you beat matters and who you lost to matters. And if you're Ohio state, you know, don't lose to a team that just lost to Stanford. I just think that's stupid. Um, 
we don't live in a vacuum where every opponent is created exactly equal, right? If Ohio State loses to Oregon, that shouldn't be weighed the same as, you know, Florida and Kentucky, where Florida just lost to the Wildcats, you know, at, at the end of the game there. Um, and the idea of ranking Ohio State 17th in the country to me was it was just dumb. Now, I, I don't know if he was looking for clicks. I don't know if he was just trying to rile people up. Um, I understand what he was saying, but it, it to me, it brought a point, uh, brought about a point that I think is worth discussing. And that is what is actually on your schedule, because it's the only thing you can control. Like if you're looking for a win that could put you over the hump, maybe you can't get it because you're not playing against a team that is, you know, that caliber. Um, it's part of the reason why the scheduling process has kind of gotten out of control the way that it has where, you know, Ohio State's got opponents scheduled 10 years out now um, because you're trying to put some good non-conference games on your calendar. But by the same token, the best you can do is play the teams that are in front of you. And I, I just don't think we live in a world where all opponents are created equal. We're in this vacuum and every loss is the same or every win is the same. Um, but I mean, there were obviously some things in that poll that to me, I was like, really BYU and coastal Carolina at a, ahead of Ohio state. I think the Buckeyes would play them on the moon blindfolded and beat them by 50. Like, thanks for playing. Yeah. I mean, probably, I mean, I, I think in general, it's probably the Stephen, Stephen a Smith slash skip Bayless rule of, of sports talk. Whereas like, you know, what's, what's the, what's the scenario. And then the most outrageous thing I can say, and then, and then we'll put that out there and, I will reap the financial benefits of it. Um, and and Skip and Stephen A have laughed all the way to the bank on that one for the better part of a decade uh, and continue to do so. Um, uh, and I, you know, I, I mean, and I'm not saying RJ's doing that. And I think it's important to, to, to say that I, and not having actually read the reasoning behind why he did what he did. So I, I, I and, and said what he said. So I, I'm, I'm not really interested or comfortable even like commenting on it, but um, I, I love, I, I think I'm, I, I'm always interested in perspective, right. In, in, um, I think, you know, for someone, for, for me as a, as a person and just my personality, I really like hearing why you should look at things differently. And, and, and so, and I, you know, I can maybe be a bit of an iconoclast in that, you know, I, what a lot of times in my, in my feeling, like what is convention is like, op, like I kind of feel a lot of times do opposite. Um, so, you know, I, I, I kind of like the idea of essentially there being like a very simple rubric and, and, uh, and how you then judge teams based on that very simple rubric, all things being equal is interesting. And I think that's, that's a fun conversation to have. And I think it, well, at, at, you know, at best, that's kind of the whole thing of what we're doing is essentially like, are we having a good time talking and debating about this? And are you doing it in good faith? And I and I I think that's what makes that's what makes, you know, college football and college sports special and different than pro sports. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, I I. I I'm always, always eager for, for that kind of content and that kind of, um, you know, that kind of uh, way of augmenting like the greater conversation and discussion. Um, I, mean, I don't think it's, you know, I think we can all agree that probably Coastal Carolina is not better than Ohio State and probably shouldn't be ranked above them. Um, <laughs> but like, I'm willing to hear why you think that. Absolutely. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think, in general, you know, the, the whole conversation is essentially, you know, are our ratings slash rankings even important in October, right? Why do they matter? In well, that's October? why the college football playoff committee doesn't put out their, their rankings until, you know, much later in the year. You know, the AP poll and the coaches poll are, are basically just talk fodder. I mean, it's, yeah, it's I, mean, I think the remnants of a system like that. that we no longer use. Right. And so, um, you know, I, I, and I think that's, I think it's great for people like us. I think, I think they're great reference points. Um, but as far as like how much they actually tangibly matter at this point in the season, it's probably not that much. Yeah. No, fair enough. Um, look, we've got a long time here. What, what, uh, final thoughts do you have before maybe we wrap up? 
Uh, I still remain that you should never trust Iowa until proven otherwise. And we're talking about a decade's worth of, of evidence behind that point. Uh, if you're a Hawkeyes fan, um, respect, man. Uh, I, I, I love what you, what you do and how you, uh, support that program. Kinnick is an unbelievable place, uh, to experience. And if you've never seen a game there, absolutely go. It's a top five college football atmosphere in the country. Uh, your coach is still DB Cooper and you should probably stop paying him. (laughs) Um, but in general, I, I think this is the closest thing we've gotten to chaos Elmo in college football in a very long time. And the more of it, the better. I, I, I welcome it with open arms because it's, it's, uh, it's the best way and the best situation in which we get to talk about it. Uh, so more chaos, please. Well, you, uh, you've got a pretty good chance to have a lot of chaos. Uh, had one more, uh, one more question that we wanted to get to here. Uh, let's see. Eyes open says if Georgia or Alabama, completely blows out the other in the SEC championship game should the loser get in. I think it kind of depends on what everything else looks like. Um, But my, my gut says that's one pretty unlikely to happen, but two, I, I, I think right now those two teams are on such a different level that if they get knocked down to a level where, where, you're looking at one loss teams. If your one loss is to either Alabama or Georgia, depending on which team it is, and you've smashed everybody else that you've played, it's kind of hard to keep them out. Now, I don't know if that means they would be the number two seed in the college football playoff, um, but I, I, I think it's extremely likely um, that both of those teams make the college football playoff, even if that SEC title game turns into a blowout. I just kind of have a hard time seeing that happen. Um, yeah, I would say I don't love the I, I don't love the idea of that game not mattering, right? Sure. Essentially, so like that's essentially what we're talking about is like, does the SEC championship game matter when both teams are getting in, no matter the result? And that I think is maybe not a good idea. Um, if if essentially the idea is this is a game that you're playing to prevent from playing the exact same game in the opening round of the playoff, as opposed to, you know, you know, getting the, the you know, the two seed um, and, you know, and playing going two, three, one, four um, that I think is important. Um, but I think it also depends upon what, what the other teams, you know, uh, and that are projected in that three, four spot uh, and even beyond five um, in an, in into six. Right. Um, but yeah, I would think they probably get in for sure. I mean, think about it, right? You know, the teams right now that have one loss that could be in that conversation, the Buckeyes, Oregon, Notre Dame, Arkansas, Ole Miss. Um, I guess at the moment, that's all it is, but somewhere along the way, Michigan, Ohio state, Penn state physically can't all go undefeated because they play each other. So Mm -hmm. at least, at least another of those two teams is going to end up with a loss. Um, and, you know, potentially Iowa. Um, and then the loser of that game. I think the loser of that game ends up having a better resume than all of those other teams. So right. it's my opinion that, yes, they're going to get in. But we still got half the season to go, so we'll see what happens. Right. Essentially, like, the idea is, like, is a one-loss SEC runner-up getting in over uh, a one-loss Big Ten runner-up? Or an sure. undefeated Cincinnati, and what we've seen over the land, you know, over the the course of the college football playoff, the answer to that question is yes, and has been yes basically every time. Whether that should be is That's a different debate is is a different <laughs> conversation, right? Uh, but like from with with the the context of this season, what we've seen so far, and what I think we're going to see, uh, you know, between now and that SEC SEC title game. Uh, yeah, there's uh, the the loser of that game is getting in pretty much 100%. RK says, any word on Simon? Uh, we will ask tomorrow when we have Ryan Day's press conference. I'm sure he'll probably be asked several times, several different ways. <laughs> uh, but we don't have anything yet on Cody. Um, tomorrow's the, you know, Mondays are essentially like an off day for media and for the team. Um, 
and then Tuesday is where things, you know, really dive back in and, and the attention gets swung to the upcoming opponent. So Ryan Day's press conference is at 12 noon. We will stream that live for you right here on our YouTube channel. Uh, you can certainly check that out. We'll also have plenty of content around that. If you miss it live over on our website, BuckeyesNow.com. Um, we'll, uh, we'll continue to talk uh, along the way about all the stuff here that is relevant nationally and relevant to the Buckeyes. This is turning into a, a, another fun season. You know, you like the fact that teams look different every year. That's part of what's fun about college football. And the Ohio State team that took the field September 2nd up at uh, up at Minnesota and September 11th against Oregon, to me, it looks a heck of a lot different right now than they did just a few weeks ago. And it is my hope that they will continue to get better and look even that much better, especially on the defensive side of the ball as the season rolls along. Maryland this week, then a bye, and then Indiana. Um, these are three big, uh, three big weeks coming up, two of them because you got games and one week because darn it, you need to get healthy in the middle of the year. And that bye week, I think might just come at, uh, at a really good time for the Buckeyes. So thanks. Everybody. Week, AKA fall wedding season in, uh, the greater state of Ohio. Can I, can I just make a comment since you've brought that up? My younger brother is getting married on our bye week and he didn't choose that date because it was the bye week. He's not a diehard Ohio state football fan. But when I found out that was the day his wedding was, I'm telling you, I gave him like the biggest hug of all time. Thank you. I wasn't going to miss your wedding, but I really didn't want to have to miss a game. I appreciate that you that you worked around my schedule, Patrick. So one of the best days <laughs> in Central Ohio in the entire year is the Ohio State bye weekend, and I would encourage people to do this because we I've done it with my friends in the past. You go out out right around like noonish, and you in the greater like downtown Columbus area and you count the number of wedding parties you see <laughs> and you'll get, it'll get up there. It'll get up there and it's a good time. Trust me. It's good uh, stuff. Love it. For Brett Hiltbrand, I'm Brendan Gulick. This is Buckeye Breakdown. Ohio State getting ready for Maryland this week after a big win over Rutgers this past weekend. Please check out all of our stuff over on BuckeyesNow.com, and we'd be really grateful if you'd subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for such an interactive audience this afternoon. We'll see you again real soon.